my little byline says Zechariah's prophecy, so I'm rolling with prophecy okay, and yeah. we're just going to interpret whether that was a song or not. No, okay. Um, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunshine shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. Awesome. I think this is on, John. I don't need this one, right? Praise God. <laughs> Zechariah begins to prophesy or sing. This is the third time we have a song. We're getting a lot of songs happening in, in the early chapters of Luke. And Zechariah, it says in verse 68, it starts off with this little phrase that Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. We know that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, but... Um, what does it look like when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit? What, does, what comes out of their mouth when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit? And uh, I'm glad you asked such a deep question, because uh, Luke tells us what it looks like. He begins to describe this uh, occasion where Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit. This has actually been going on already in the book of Luke quite a few times. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, but in Luke 1... The angel appears and says to John, uh, to Zechariah, John the Baptist, your son, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his birth, or from, from the womb, it says, actually. Um, Luke chapter 1, verse 35, uh, the angel appears to Mary and says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will conceive God inside of you as a virgin. The Holy Spirit will do this. Uh, Luke 1 also says that Elizabeth, John's uh, mum, when she met with Mary, and Jesus was inside and said, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah here is filled with the Holy Spirit. And this sort of keeps on happening through the gospel. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, Luke chapter 2, when he was in the temple. And it says he came to the temple in the power of the Spirit, or in the Spirit. Jesus was baptized by John. And when he was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form, in visual form. They could actually see the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus. Jesus then says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. It says he came out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, or in the power, it says, of the Holy Spirit. And so these kind of phrases are happening all over the book of Luke. It keeps happening. In fact, Jesus then stands up in Luke's chapter 4 when he's going to begin his ministry, and he quotes Isaiah 61. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
And then he describes what it looks like when the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, what the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to do. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach or proclaim good news, to share good news. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim liberty to captives. Those who are captive, both spiritually, mentally, under captivity, the good news brings freedom. Recovery of sight to the blind. Physically, spiritually, God gives sight to the blind. To set at liberty the oppressed, those who are oppressed, either by demonic oppression or just a cloud, mental uh, oppression. God says, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach this good news, this gospel. Things are about to change. The gospel of good news is here. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God is now favorable. There's favor, or God's always been favorable, but because of Jesus, we have access into this good news, this favor. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to tell you that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time to receive from God because of His great tender mercy and His kindness. He has made a way for us to partake in this good news. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus sits down and says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing while he's preaching in the synagogue. And then for chapter after chapter, Luke describes Jesus doing all of these things, bringing freedom, bringing good news, bringing liberty to captives. Jesus, by Luke chapter 10, is teaching others to do this. Luke chapter 10 says, after he sent out the disciples, he comes back and he says, he rejoices, Jesus, in the Holy Spirit at this good news going out, this gospel being proclaimed, this liberty and freedom coming to mankind. Jesus said in Luke 11 that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And then he warns those who are not believing the gospel, those who are rejecting the gospel. He warns them, he says, those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit, who resist and reject the Holy Spirit, this gospel, he says, cannot receive forgiveness, cannot be forgiven. You cannot come to forgiveness unless you believe this gospel, unless the Holy Spirit enables you to believe and receive this gospel. Jesus warned those who were not believing his gospel, his preaching, the signs and wonders and what was going on. Jesus warns them, but he says to the, his believing, or to his disciples, he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you and will lead you. Luke chapter 12. And so it's a wonderful little phrase, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to sing a song. And I'll try not to sing today to you. But Luke's, Luke uh, kind of references the Holy Spirit about 17 times by my count in the, in the gospel in these, in these kind of ways, that the Holy Spirit is showing the gospel, filling people, enabling them to receive the gospel. And this happens about 17 times. Of course, Jesus way out overshadows this by he, he, his name. The name of Jesus is mentioned at least 100 times in the gospel of Luke. And not including all the pronouns where Luke's saying he, talking about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus and this message of the gospel. Even when Jesus himself stood up, he said, the Holy Spirit is on me to what? To bring the good news, to bring freedom to the, for the captives. And so Zechariah stands up and he begins to prophesy under the Holy Spirit. And he's exalting the work and the ministry of Jesus, as we will see. And so let's move into um, this section the point being that God is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. God is doing something. Um, in these early chapters, we see God orchestrating history. 
Um, the Holy Spirit is kind of involved in all these moments where history is being orchestrated. This is kind of one of the big moments of history, Jesus arriving on the planet. And God is the orchestra or the conductor of history. He is the divine conductor also of our lives. Not only history, but indeed our lives. God is at work in history, but God is also at work in our lives. And so what does it look like to be someone who's participating with the work of God, work of the Holy Spirit, in our own lives and in history. Well, the first thing we notice in Zechariah's song, verse, verse 1, verse one's always a big, I'm just going to move this over because I feel like I might drop into that hole there. You can't see it, but I'm just going to move it. <laughs> it's, it's not very. The first thing we notice in Zechariah's song is the first thing he says is, blessed be the Lord God. Blessed is God. That's the first voice of his song. He says, God is good. God is good. God is so good. God is so, so good. When the Holy Spirit is on him and he understands the gospel, he begins to say, God is good. So if you're not able to say God is good, you're doing it wrong, right? <laughs> Come on, church. God is good. <laughs> Some of you grew up in the 80s. <laughs> God is good all the time. This is the first voice of a song. God is good. God is so, so good. He is good. You know, I want to ask you, does your heart sing with the delightfulness of God is good? Or is it clouded out and not able to sing? Does your heart sing God is good? Only you know that. I think you can fake it. I said God is good and you all said all the time. Okay. Does your heart sing, God is good? This is what Zechariah, the life that is God is working in, the life that is full of the Holy Spirit as described, sings, God is good. God is good. Despite his circumstance, he's been mute for nine months. He hasn't been able to speak for nine months. The first thing he says is, God is good. When you've been through difficult things, what's the first thing you say? <laughs> is it, God is good? I'm not sure. I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking you because I don't want to ask myself because I know the answer is not, not the same as Zacharias. <laughs> God is good, he says. Does your heart sing? But why is he good? Do I have a reason to sing? Is there a reason to sing? Why is God good? Well, glad you asked another deep question. The very next line uh, shows us in this song, he says, God is good. Praise, blessed be the God and Lord our God, for He has visited us and redeemed His people. God has visited us. Zechariah's prophecy is cutting it very fine here. You know, he's, God has visited us, he says in the past tense, and Jesus only just arrived in the womb of Mary uh, like a couple months ago. So his prophet, he's like, God has, not God is going to visit, God has visited us. Like literally a couple of months before the God of the universe, Jesus, had come from the glory of heaven. The King of kings and the Lord of lords had left the glories of heaven and came down into the womb of a virgin about 16 years old and became a clump of small cells. Restricted himself to that. God came down to visit us. Zechariah is prophesying the gospel here. God came down. Not we went up to God. Not we tried hard enough. Not we self-improved enough. Not we became conscious enough of our own goodness. No, God had to come down. God had to visit us. God 
is closer than you think. God has come close to us. Jesus, the ruler of the universe, has come close to us. He has come near. Acts 17 says that God knew the exact times and places where we should live so that we should seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him since He is actually not far from each one of us, Acts 17. God is actually very close to us if we reach out for Him. God came down. He visited us. God is not far from us, although we do need to come to Him on His terms. We come to Him as God. We surrender to Him. Now, yesterday I was at um, Outback Splash. I don't know if you've been there. <laughs> yes. And my, my oldest daughter wanted to go on the, gi- the giant wall, which is you're on a double canoe thing, like blow up thing, and you go down this massive ramp, and it goes up straight up this huge section, and you go as high as you can and sort of swing back like that. If you Google it, you'll see it's great. And so Eden wanted to know, am I going to be, you know, am I going to be in the front or in the back? Which, which way? And I said, well, you can go in the front. She wanted to know that I was going to be close to her the whole way. She was somehow comforted by the fact that I was close. I don't know why. <laughs> and then I said to her, this is not a very good story about my parenting. And I said to her, I said to her, when I get, to, when I get to the top, if I say I'm out, that means I'm going to roll out and swing back down. And she was like, oh. So then I was, I was just seeing how much she trusted me to know if I would be close. And then what actually happened, when I got to the very top, I just shouted, I'm outside in the open air. And she had a small panic attack, I think. So that, yes, I know. So I think that's because God is not like that at all. He, <laughs> he's very close. He just stays close the whole time. God has visited us. He's not saying at the apex of the thing, I'm out. He's very close. So don't, it's, anyway. We can, we'll, we'll pray about that, dissect what happened later. God has visited us. He is very close. He is always there. No matter at the, the pinnacle of your crisis, God is never out. He's there. Yeah. He's close. He's very, very close. God is not far from you. Not only is He close, it says He has redeemed. He has redeemed us. He rescued us. He came near so he could rescue. He didn't just come near, but he came near, it says, so he could rescue us. Hebrews 2 says that Jesus was made like us in every way so that he could be a faithful high priest and sympathize with us. He suffered and went through temptation so that he would be able to help those who are like him. Jesus came near to rescue. God is good. God is near and God came to rescue us. He came near to rescue us, to redeem us, it says, to set us free, to pay a price. Redeeming is when you buy something back. You pay for it. It costs you. Jesus came close to pay the price for our sin and to rescue us from our sin. He not only came close, but He came to redeem, to buy us back, to pay for our sin, our rebellion against God. He paid for it and came near to pay the price for sin. He saved us, it says, from our enemies. He rescued us and saved us from our enemies. What are the greatest enemies that you can never defeat? Again, I'm glad you asked such a deep question. (laughs) 
sin and death. You can, anyone defeated death yet? Let me know. Just put it up on YouTube how you do it. Let everyone know. You can't defeat death. Death is the number one statistic, 100%, right? Everyone's going there. Jesus defeated, it says, he rescued us from sin and death. He defeated sin. You know that our sin is, the power of sin has been broken over us because of Jesus. The power of death has been broken over us by Jesus. He rescued us and he rescued us from our enemies. Not only did he redeem us, but he delivered us from our enemies. This is a great song. God is good. When you've been to sing, he goes, wow, I'm, God is close to me. God has redeemed me. He's rescued me. He's paid the price that I should have paid. And also, he's making me whole. It says, he has brought salvation to his people. Not just rescue, but salvation. That word salvation means wholeness. God has brought wholeness. The wholeness, the, the uh, completeness of God is now being brought to us in Jesus. He has brought salvation. It says there, he's raised up the horn of salvation. What on earth is that? Um, strange words, uh, Zechariah. The horn in the Old Testament means the victory, the kind of is used as, as a symbol of victory and success. And so the horn of salvation is the success of this God's story is that God has won it. He's the victor. He's the winner. He's brought wholeness. Salvation has come. God, the victory is sure. It belongs to Jesus. The gospel declares that Jesus defeated sin and death. Death has no more hold on me. God is good. Sin's power is broken. I've been rescued from it. Do you still labor under the power of sin in your life? Unforgiveness? Anger, even self-centeredness, you know that Jesus is able to make you whole? This gospel that Zechariah is singing about makes us whole. It brings us to wholeness. Not only rescue us from sin, it brings us through to wholeness. I want to encourage you to trust in Jesus for wholeness. What are the areas you've struggled under? <clears throat> Keep trusting Jesus for wholeness. Victory of salvation, not just deliverance, but wholeness, won by, won by Jesus Jesus leads us. This gospel leads us into wholeness. Verse 72, he says, God has done all this because he has shown us his great mercy. God is so kind. He did it all, not because he, we owe, or he owes us anything, but because he's merciful. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be God. What a great song. The life filled of the Holy Spirit is able to sing. If God is working and God is on your life, these are the songs that you begin to sing. God, you are blessed. God, you have rescued. God, you have redeemed. God, you are making me whole. God, you are good. Blessed be the Lord. He has visited. He is close. He is rescued. He has defeated sin and death. He has brought me wholeness. He has brought his people wholeness through his great mercy and kindness, which with he loved us. Do you bless the Lord? Do you even bless the Lord? What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer?
such good news. Mm. What's the next part of Zechariah's song? He says, we who have been delivered out of the hands of our enemies, we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness. Zechariah says, we serve him. The life that is being worked on by God, that is working with God, that the Holy Spirit is upon, that is being filled and led and taught by the Holy Spirit, Zechariah describes it like this. It says, we, those delivered ones, serve him. Notice the direction of that. He doesn't serve us. We serve him. The gospel life serves Jesus. He is above all. It is his will. Let his will be done, not my will. I serve him. The redeemed and rescued life serves him. He is right. He is Lord. We come to God, God I said earlier, on his terms. He's not far from us if we reach out to him and come to him. If we admit that he is God, if we admit that, yes, we need rescuing from death and sin, sin I cannot rescue myself from. I continually want to be selfish, angry, frustrated. I can't rescue. I come to him on his terms. God, your will be done. I admit that you are God and I need you. Until we come to him in that way, admit that he's God, he still remains, in one sense, far off because we will not admit that he is God. God has come near to us, but we come close to him by admitting who he is, by acknowledging him, by repenting, by knowing, God, you are who you are, and I come to you, not on my terms, but on yours. Will you come to God on his terms? We serve him. It also says we serve him without fear. What a beautiful part. I think so often people assume serving God is God's like some angry Father Christmas in the sky or something. We serve him without fear. We serve him without fear. It says because he has made us, well, it doesn't say this, but the implication of the gospel is very clear. He says we, they will serve him without, with holiness and righteousness. This is Zechariah prophesying. We will serve him with holiness and righteousness. Was Zechariah saying that he was perfectly holy and righteous? No, I think he was prophesying the gospel, that Jesus will make us right before God. We can serve him without fear because Jesus has made us clean and right before God. The heart that sings, that knows God, understands that I am right before God, not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done. He has made me right. This is my song. I am righteous because of him. I don't, need, I don't carry shame anymore because he has made me right. He has made me holy before God. Not my righteousness or my holiness, but the holiness and righteousness of Jesus. I serve him without fear. I'm not afraid of God. He has welcomed me. He has drawn near to me, and I've acknowledged and worshipped and repented, and I serve him. I've drawn near to him in that sense. A life filled by the Holy Spirit in which God is working serves Him without fear, believing that Jesus has made me righteous and that He is good and that He makes me whole and that serving Him is the whole purpose of my life. Serving Him is also the best purpose of my life. 
This is the song of those who know him. I want to ask, do you know him like this? Is he the song of your heart? Zechariah has been prophesying this gospel without knowing the story of Jesus. He, doesn't, he knows Jesus is coming, but he doesn't know any of this gospel, but he's just singing the gospel. He changes tack here in about verse 76, and he has verse 2 of his song. Chapter, well, verse 2, yeah. Verse 2 is always harder to write if you've ever written a song, you know about that. Harder to write, a little awkward. Um, and he starts writing, and it gets a little awkward, I think. Yeah, you might disagree. He, he starts prophesying about his own son, John, uh, who's about to be born. And he says, you, my, this son, John, um, you're going to be, this is the guy who's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from, from conception. He starts to prophesy. And he gets, about two, he gets about two lines out, and then he goes back to Jesus. He just can't help himself. And so it's a, great, it's a great little verse. He starts with John, but even when he's talking about John, he's saying, you're just going to prepare the way for Jesus. He's talking about John, a life that will be filled with the Holy Spirit, a life that will be serving God, a life that will be uh, under the working of God, that will be partnering with God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the life of John, and, he's, and he describes his life. He gives him a few things. I'll just give you a quick couple points. He says he'll be a prophet of the Lord. He will speak for, of God's word. The prophet is just someone who talks about what God is doing, like I'm doing this morning. This is the gospel. God is good. God has redeemed. God has rescued. God has made wholeness available. John, you will be a prophet. You will be speaking this gospel that I've just described. You will be telling people about, uh, he literally says about, you'll be warning people or reminding people about their salvation and their forgiveness, which is available, about salvation that is coming and forgiveness. You'll be preparing the way for the Lord. You'll be speaking for God. The life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that lives for God, is speaking the Word of God. This is what, John, you will be like. You will be of the Lord. You will, be, you will prepare God's people, you will pre, or you will prepare people for God's ways. You will be putting others before yourself. You will be telling people how great God is, preparing them, leading them towards forgiveness, knowledge of salvation, forgiveness of sins, because of God's, again, great mercy, because God is so good. His life will point back to Jesus, just like Zechariah's prophecy has been exalting Jesus and the work of Jesus. So John's whole life would exalt the work of Jesus. John the Baptist, full of the Holy Spirit, exalts Jesus. He will exalt the good news of Jesus. And then he goes on and says, For, and then the great light will come in the darkness, quoting really Isaiah chapter 9, those in the shadow of death, the light will dawn. Jesus overshadows the shadow of death. The light of Jesus puts to sleep the shadows of death, destroys death. He's describing now, he goes back to describing Jesus. The ministry of John will point to Jesus and we will see this great light, Jesus coming, who will overshadow even death itself from darkness to light. And it says, you will, he will lead the people in peace. The gospel leads us in peace. Where Jesus is king, peace comes. Where Jesus is ruling, peace comes. I want to ask you, are you led in the way of peace? Are you led in the way of peace? This is what the gospel does. This is such a great song. John's extremely excited in one sense of being able to talk for after nine months. 
But all he can talk about is how good God is, how amazing God is. I want to ask you, does your heart sing with the gospel? Does your heart sing like this song? The Holy Spirit can come upon you, can help you, can teach you, can lead you to sing like this. Even this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit is able to help us to see afresh Jesus, to see afresh this gospel, and to sing where our hearts have been clouded and not able to sing like this. From this song, we see that John the Baptist goes into the wilderness and just lives there for a while <laughs> until the time of his ministry. A man full of the Spirit is able to live in the wilderness at peace. If you've struggled, if you've been in difficult situations, if you've been at the apex of your struggle and you thought you heard God say, I'm jumping out like a bad dad, <laughs> it's not happening. God would never leave you. He is always close. Even in the great wilderness, God is still close. Is Jesus truly enough for you? Is this gospel enough to make your heart sing? As we close, I just want to come down on a question that Martin Lloyd-Jones used to ask often. His congregation, they would say, when they were talking about the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to get into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all these things, but, he, but Congress say, yep, I've received those. When I believe in Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit. And that is true. Romans says clearly that anyone who's the sons of, sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit. So this all applies to you if you've been born again. But Martin Lloyd-Jones would ask them, when they say, oh, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, they would, he would always ask them, well, if you have it, then where is it? And what he was meaning was, I don't see much joy. I don't see much peace. I don't see much wholeness in you. In fact, I see you getting grumpier and grumpier. <laughs> Do you sing this gospel? If you have it, then where is it? I want to ask you to just look in your own heart and your life and say, God, would you help me to see Jesus more clearly? You really are. Serving you, God, and knowing you really is the best thing that could ever happen in my life if I would only surrender and come to you as on your terms not on mine if I've lost my joy my peace my wholeness it is not God who has lost his goodness or his beauty it is me who's looked elsewhere if I have lost my joy my peace my wholeness it is not God who has lost his goodness or his beauty. It is me that has looked elsewhere. Bless, blessed are you, Lord God, for you visited me. You redeemed me. You defeated sin and death. You brought me wholeness. Through your great mercy, you enable me to serve you without fear and to walk in your light and in your peace. Does your heart sing with the goodness of God? Or is your heart clouded and cannot see his goodness 
and his beauty. Let us come this morning to God on his terms. Let us serve him. Let us know him. Let us worship him. For he is good.